Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Oh, it doesn't show signs of stopping, and I've brought some corn for popping. The lights are turned way down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally kiss goodnight, how I'll hate going out in the storm. But if you really hold me tight, all the way home I'll be warm. The fire is slowly dying. And my dear, we're still goodbying. As long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It's awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Did I do a good job? You did a great job. Okay. Thank you so much. That was absolutely amazing, man. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. It got me into the spirit of things, right? Even though we're a few days away from it. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Stefan. That was oh, a great opener. You're welcome. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. You surprised me a little bit. Oh, okay. In a good way, I hope. <laughs> In a great way, man. Thanks so much for being on the show. And I'm so glad that I want to give people a little bit of a backstory of what happened. Like you reached out to me through an email. Yes. You uh, told me about a situation that you're currently in, still dealing with it. And uh, I first read it and I reached back and I was like, yeah, I'm up for a fight. Let's talk about this. Let's figure out how we're going to handle this. Let's figure out how we're going to approach the city because this involves the city, different levels of the city. And it's really about you wanting to build an ADU, a unit in the back of a property, and you're getting some resistance. Sure. So I made some suggestions. I made some phone calls. We started talking about things, but now we're on the show and I want to dive into the communication that we had and uh, how we're hopefully going to handle it and hopefully find a resolution for you. And then yeah. you can start swinging a hammer. That's all we're trying to do here, right? Absolutely. Which is absolutely amazing. So how do you pronounce your last name, Stefan? I pronounce it Budisavlovich. So the, the <laughs> I'm not laughing at it. I just I love these European names, right? So, yeah. so just the J sounds like a Y and then the C is pronounced C H. Budislavovic. No, sorry, say it again. Budisavlovich. Budislavovich. Oh see, that's pretty good. It's not bad. Not bad. What's your background? Serbian. Serbian. So, yeah, B-U-D-I-S-A-V-L-J-E-V-I-C. Yes. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, I got to do a shout out. I'm wearing John McNeil, McNeil Constructions tee. I'm a fan of his tee. Thank you so much, John. And I also want to do a quick shout out for him. He's wrapping up uh, his uh, pause uh, for charity uh, that he does every year for Christmas. Where he, And he had a, an amazing turnout. Lots of people donated all kinds of uh, food and toys and all kinds of snacks for the furry friends that we all love in our lives. And he always does it every year. And uh, I'm a huge supporter of him doing that. So, good on you john for doing that and thank you for the tea and then i just want to do another shout out here uh i was chatting with uh, lee falls on dm on ig there and we were just talking about a course that he went to go take with the chba uh some training and then my first thought was is anybody learning anything are they asking the right questions and he was like yeah you'd be surprised man there's a lot of people that here that are doing it so he was just responded he goes like funny thing after the icf forming roundtable that we had with the boys i uh he definitely thought of icf differently i've never formed or poured more than a 12 by 12 shed pad since i've taken some time to learn a little more about concrete in general and the pros and cons about different styles of foundations uh not to blow smoke up your ass many but uh many times 
or sorry, not to blow smoke up your ass many times, but the podcast really helps educate someone with limited exposure as I normally have a narrow scope of work in small area. I just invite people that know more than I do. And then I just ask them questions. That's how I do it. Uh, he and I got talking a lot about uh, the CIPA training uh, event that he attended and he saw the benefit from it. Um, it was a mix of builders, inspectors, designers, municipal planners, and uh, they started talking about heat pumps, net zero, rentals. And he said it was a very constructive conversation and he learned a lot from it and he got from it so i was like listen i encourage anything that is going to move construction forward period simple as that right i don't encourage anything that's politically motivated like heat pumps i disagree with heat pumps i will 100 percent disagree with heat pumps i don't care how you're selling it it does not make sense in canada's climate it doesn't it doesn't work get rid of it it's not a it's not a good move on constructions right that was the only reason why he said that but i just wanted to give him a little shout out there thanks so much for uh, leave for the conversations on ig and I want to share one more iTunes comment. Uh, Fredericks, Frederick uh, Walker, uh, he, uh, get, he left a comment, which is great. Highly informative, a refreshing and insightful podcast that sheds light on the often overlooked human aspect of construction. Highly informative and engaging. I must listen, and Manny never shies away from the truth. Thanks, Frederick. Appreciate that. Uh, before we get started, I want to share an email that I got. When did I get this? I think it was yesterday. Uh, uh, email from Haley, uh, H-A-Y-L-E, uh, L-E-Y. Um, hi, Manny and Co. That's you. You're the Co part. Um, I'm a Brit Canadian living in the UK with my British sparky husband. We found your podcast, YouTube channel, and love it. Also love that you've been questioning the whole COVID narrative. Yeah, no problem. I'll question anything. Uh, anywho, I'm asking about the online 2021 Canadian Electrical Code Essentials course. We are immigrating to Canada from the UK and my husband, 37 years, uh, has relevant electrical qualifications in the UK. He did his apprenticeship with an electrical company in England and then ran his family electrical business for 15 years. He has since closed his business down as we are moving to Ontario in 2024. Uh, he has permanent residence already in place in Canada. He is looking to gain some required knowledge in preparation for sitting, the, for sitting in on the equivalency exam, ETA exam. Do you think this course uh, would be helpful in his situation or is there a better route? Would a future electrical company look at the completion of this course favorably? Would an electrical company, electrical company take him on as an apprentice without having yet passed the ETA, but with the view, with the view that he will sit the exam sit in on the exam and pass while working for them. Although he managed his own business, he is looking to work for someone so he can first get comfortable working in the trade the Canadian way. I'm going to be honest, uh, the, the UK way is better. Um, I'm just going to upset everybody here. If you don't answer these types of emails, that's okay. I understand he spent some time talking with a retired electrician who worked in Sarnia area, and he has worked for a company and used uh, and was unionized. Again, love what you're offering to the trades. Well done for building such an informative and relevant podcast for the trades. I love all the other issues you bring to the table, healthy relationships, mental and physical health, questioning government narratives, trend uh, trends in the trade, and energy, money, and wealth, etc. As a Sparky's wife, thank you very much. Bless you, Manny, and Merry Christmas, Haley Hills. Thank you, Haley. I'm going to actually respond back to you, and I'm also going to speak to all the Sparkies that have been on the show. I might even connect you with them, so then they can you can drop them a line. They're going to have much better information on this than me, because I haven't gone down the ET, um, ETA route. Uh, but I definitely think that he won't have a hard time finding someone to work for. I think that if he's run his business and he's done uh, electrical for so many years, I think he's going to fit right in and excel real quick. But regarding getting the paperwork done, by all means, I don't think it's going to hurt. But let me speak to the guys first. Okay. 
let's uh, begin with you, Stefan. What's your background with Trem Rental? Uh, well, I've started the company and I've been running the company uh, ever since I started it as an owner operator. So I'm the guy who goes to the sales call to do the estimate and I also go there to do the work. And obviously I have uh, other people and trades who work with me, like uh, my brother who's a drywall finisher. Okay. And What's uh, your specialty? Uh, I started with doing the tiling. So how long ago are we going? We're talking about here. Uh, I would say about ten years. Okay. Yeah. So the way it got started for me was uh, right after university, I graduated and I had a degree that in you know bachelor of arts that I had no use for, <laughs> and I realized that yeah. after I graduated. So uh, my uncle and I had to sort of attempt a DIY project. And the project was fixing up uh, my mom's parents' home at the time. They had passed away, and it needed work before it could be sold. Mm -hmm. So we just got to it, and we went in that house, and we tiled a bathroom, did a kitchen. And, you know, we did what we could with the skills that we had, but that's really what got my company started. How long ago was that? That was about 10 years ago. Okay, 10 years, right? And now you're, are you focusing mostly on the east end of the city? Durham region. Yeah, Durham region, right? You know, Scarborough. Yeah, so construction-wise, 10 years. How many, I'm just curious, how many times have you dealt with resistance from the city? Um, I guess because, well, this is a new new thing for me, right? This is a, it's a new home build. It's a small home, but it is yeah. a new home. Yeah. So this is my first time dealing with uh, the, you know, the permitting process and all the regulations surrounding a home build, which is totally different to me from doing interior renovation work. Yeah. Yeah. There's challenges, right? But I mean, what we're talking about is um, the new bylaws that came in effect to build these dwellings on these properties that yes. we have. Like there, there, there was all this before this was approved. It was all COA. It was all committee of adjustment. You had to go through a process to get this approved. But now that that basically has gone out of the way, you guys have a property now that um, you want to park an ADU in the back. It meets all the criteria regarding size and location of the backyard. The problem that we are going to discuss today is that not the building department, but the waterworks department is insisting that you run your water services through the existing structure or beside the existing structure. Now, I just want people to understand that this lot is a corner lot. Yes. So they have access on the, what would it be, the south or what side is that? It's it's another roadway. So on, on the north side of the main house, uh, the street is called Coronation Drive. Yeah. So that is the street that the uh, proposed garden suite will face. So what I want to do is if you, Angelina, can you actually just pull up that one that I sent you? Yeah. So I want people to, I mean, you can't, if, you, if you're listening to the show, you can't see it, but he's got a drawing here where he's laid it all out, where you can see the existing dwelling with the, the pin drop there. You can see where the garden suite is going to be parked in the backyard and they want to, well, smartly, and I would be the exact same way, Stefan, you and your crew want to run the services to Coronation Street, which is how far of a distance is that you figure like about 30 feet or so? Yeah, that's exactly right. The, okay. the estimate I had was 30 feet from the north wall. of. I'm that. just using my Portuguese sure, eye, yeah. so I'm just guessing because exactly. there's no gauge on that, no nothing at all. So you want to go 30 feet instead of having to go along a tree line 
and then back into the front of the house to get onto the other street where the house faces. That's correct. Which makes like, that makes no sense. And I don't understand why the waterworks are, are, um, are giving you such resistance regarding this matter. You sent me pictures. So when we see that one tree there, but beside where that tree is, there's actually three trees there, right? On the yes. side. And they're mature trees. Like what's the biggest diameter of the first tree? Okay, so the, the first tree, which is on the side of the garage where, you know, that trench would be, yep. that's, uh, uh, I believe, a 45-centimeter diameter tree trunk. It's a good-sized tree. Yeah, it is, for sure. Yeah, and the last thing we want to do is take down or damage good-sized trees like that. Exactly. I think any tree above, I would say, a 10-centimeter diameter, you should be questioning whether or not you should touch it, right? Sure. You should be conscious of it, the workplace, where you park material, supply, like tools, everything like that. You should be conscious of it, right? Yes. And I guess that the city, when it comes to the city, we want to specifically just point a finger at the water side of the city. They're not understanding this for a reason. They're not understanding how it makes all the sense to go to Coronation Street, Coronation Drive, instead of go to the other street uh, on the front of the house. Sure. So they brought up the argument about why don't you go through the house? But here's the argument now. You're not renovating the house. Correct. The house doesn't need to be renovated. That's right. You're just looking to add a garden sweep because now the bylaws allow us to do that. And so you have that freedom to do that. And it actually meets everything criteria wise. Yes. So when you show me the pictures of the tree line, I said any excavation that happens along that tree line, you're going to possibly kill that tree. If not all three, you're definitely going to kill one. Because we, we, you were telling me that I was assuming you had to dig down about a minimum six feet. Yes. But you're probably looking at closer to seven feet, possibly eight feet to go down. Oh, I think so. So then you got to dig wide enough to make it safe and comfortable for any trace person to be working in that excavation. Yeah, that's the key word, safe and comfortable and give them the room to work. So you're going to come across a lot of roots. Yes. Like thick, thick, very important roots that are associated with those trees. Yeah, those bylaw protected trees. Exactly. So that's exactly, and that's what I started when I first spoke to you. I was like, I think you first have a tree argument here. And we know in construction, trees always trump everything else. You have to protect trees. The city has. And I I sent you the bylaws. I sent you a bunch of the the city bylaws. You can go online and you can find them. And it actually tells you exactly what the bylaw protection is, what the size of the trees, what you can or can't do around the tree. And we've all been in construction. We've all done this stuff. So that's a no-brainer. Like, you, you should not be excavating there. Right. This show is brought to you by Payne's Window Manufacturing. Window shopping revolutionized. Seeking top-tier windows? Look no further. Payne's Window Manufacturing is the ultimate choice for custom builders, contractors, and homeowners. Visit www.paynes.com now to experience the pinnacle of quality and customization. Get your instant custom quote today. Elevate excellence with us, plus enjoy nationwide shipping across Canada and the U.S. But you're not even looking forward to excavating there. No, like we don't see the need or and we don't have the desire to unnecessarily, and the key word is here, unnecessarily do a trench that would kill a mature tree or two of them. Plus the work. The work, yes. And then I want people to know like how long this has been going on. You you got the approval of the permit. So the, the building permit was um, issued. That's right. Because they never approve it. They always issue it. Yes. Right. And I did notice that there was a lot of red stamps on it. Right. Which is fine. Yes. It's not a problem. You just read the red stamps and you just comply with all that they're asking about. Right. Yes. So now you've got that. How long did that process take? So our designer submitted the 
permit application in very early June 2023. Okay. And so the permit ended up finally being issued on October 25th. And yes. so... Good chunk of time. It was a good chunk of time. Yeah. And what I'd say is we also uh, got the zoning certificate, which it essentially says what you're proposing to build conforms with the zoning regulations for it. And the rationale behind getting that is that it's supposed to help expedite the approval of the building permit. Which I guess it did, and that's why you got a you got the issued permit. Well, the thing is, is that if you look at the, the time frames that the permit is supposed to be issued in for, say, a, a single-family dwelling, it does say, you know, 10 days. <laughs> uh, so you went from July to October? Yeah, we went from June, June to the end of October. So a big chunk of time. Definitely. Why do you, so you think because of the garden suite? Because you didn't have to, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think you had to resubmit drawings. You weren't missing elements. The designer did everything right that everything was already proposed and submitted correctly, right? Uh, so we had some things that needed to be adjusted with respect to uh, our foundation walls and our first floor walls. Okay. Uh, so we, we had an ICF foundation and we were planning on doing ICF uh, main story. All right. But for some reason, uh, we couldn't get the R value needed. So we ended up having to switch to two by six uh, first floor walls. And we're still keeping the ICF uh, foundation. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. All uh, right. And the other thing, uh, which I think was interesting, was there was an issue with respect to fire access. So a comment was made by the building department uh, essentially asking, well, you know, you need to show that you know, a fire truck or, or there's fire access. And, you know, to our point is look it's at this. It's a corner it's lot. It's a corner lot. We've got direct access to the street. You got more access than the average home. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. And, you know, there are multiple fire hydrants on that street. So we did clarify that with them to show the actual distance. But it sort of seems like it's a common sense issue where if you look at the property and look at what's being built, there's not going to be an issue with uh, fire access. And you've already verified that the water services are running along the Coronation Drive Street, which is running parallel with the house, which is basically would be right in front of the garden suite where it's proposed to be built. Yes. Right? So we know that there's services there, right? Yes. And so basically... What was the first resistance? So you, you got the permit after you, you, was there anything else that you had to revise regarding the first floor? Um, you know, now that I think about it, there, there may have been a couple of other minor things, but what, one thing I'll point out that we thought was a little bit strange was uh, the permit was issued. And uh, if you look at it, the, the loft space, which is the, you know, the second floor, yeah, yeah. It, it was labeled as not to be used as livable space, which I think is a little bit strange. So the second story? Yeah. It was assessed as not to be used as livable space. So it's just an attic. That's what they're calling it. But you guys are building it as livable space, no? Or uh, Correct. That's why we're doing, you know, hand-cut rafters. Uh, yeah. So that, you know, somebody could be up there and use it as a livable space. Because there are a lot of windows there and it could be a nice uh, art studio for somebody or, you know, a bedroom. But... We're not supposed to do that. Okay. All right. But well, that, that's fine. That's not an issue at no, all, right? No, I don't think so. 
so other than that, you you submit the revisions, but you still went June to October. So I mean, June, July, August, September, yes. October. I well, I think that a part of it is that there's not really a a very quick response from the building department, and I, you know, I I kind of get it because you know they are busy and they are working on a number of other files, but it would be nice from the perspective of the builder or homeowner to have a process where maybe any comments that they make or adjustments or revisions that they want to see, if they would provide it more all at once instead of slow dripping it, like, hey, you know, what about this? And then you address that. And then they say, hey, what about this? And you address that. So I think that was part of the, the delay as well. Yeah. So when you, did you submit the application or did the designer submit the application? Our designer did. So the, okay. And then, so every time that they were just submitting, they were getting the feedback and then you were being brought into the loop regarding the next step. And yeah. And, and like, it's just, again, there were a lot of uh, delays in communication from the building department and uh, we ended up having to get our local counselor to try and help expedite the process. And I would say he was... Uh, very helpful and his office was very helpful in actually helping us get the permit issued what was the first thing that you did when you approached the council um person like how did you how do you propose it how did you propose this this problem that you had going on well so my dad uh contacted the counselor's office over email just to you know introduce us and say hey here's what we're doing and he essentially just said you know there have been some delays and this is a pretty simple straightforward project and you know we had communicated that you know if possible we would have hoped to have gotten started before the winter before the winter yeah which ideally if you got approved issued uh in october you could have started yes so when did the water issue first come up well so the water issue came up even before we submitted for the permit because uh my dad knows the property well he he was, you know, born in Scarborough. He grew up there. His parents, my grandparents, were the original owners. Uh, we just looked at this when we heard about the Garden Suite program, and we said, oh, this is fantastic. It makes sense to go to the street. Yeah. But the issue is that there's no process uh, for you to use to be able to do that because, uh, because of the water services bylaw. So the water services bylaw is stated as what? So the water services bylaw stipulates one service per property. And so the issue we were having is we needed a new service that meets current building specifications because the one off Kitchener Road to the main house does not, you know, undersized water line, etc. So we inquired about getting that separate service off of Coronation Drive. And we kept getting told, we can run it from there, but that will trigger an immediate disconnect of the services off of Kitchener to the main house. Which is you don't want to do because like you're not renovating the main house, right? Exactly. So I, from my understanding, I know we talked about this, is that when you build the garden suite, it has a separate address to the main house. Does that, it not? That's correct. In our case, we did get a separate address. So your address is stated as what? A number attached to Coronation Drive or is it a number attached to Kitchener for the garden suite, it's a number attached to Coronation Drive. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> so this is where there's a conflict here, right? Like there's a right. major conflict here because you, how are you issuing a number that's associated with this street, but you're not allowed to bring the water services to this street. You have to force your, the builder to, or the homeowner to go to the main street that's attached to the house in a corner application, corner lot application. Right. And I think this is one of the important points, which is that from, from our point of view and from a practical point of view, from anybody who would just look at this particular situation, is that what we're proposing is cost neutral for the city. Yeah. It doesn't cost them anything extra. In fact, I would actually say it actually saves them money because all we're saying is exempt the main house from the disconnect order. So essentially, if they wanted to go disconnect it, that's, that's more work for a crew and time that has to be deployed now to the other side to do that work. I mean, so I know that you and I, before we got started on the show, we've had a lot of conversations about how there's lots of positive thoughts to go to Coronation Drive. Yeah. And there's lots of negative, probably just as many, if not more, to go through the Kitchener Street, right? Yes. And I think that the city just needs to actually, I get that the city is busy. I get that yes. they're overworked. I, from my understanding, they're not even in the actual planning department offices anymore. They're all still working remotely, from my understanding. Right. So I get that they're having hundreds of permits coming through. They've got a lot of applications. Not all of them are all perfectly done. They all need revisions. They all got stuff. So it's like they can't drop everything and just look at your particular permit. Right. Right. We get all that. But when you first presented it to me, it didn't take me days to figure out what the problem is and what the solution is here right. without infringing on bylaws or infringing on building illegally. Right. I, my suggestions to you were basically in line with how to do it properly. And one of the big components is the tree argument, right? Yes. So it's about, we, first of all, I'm, I'm not a tree hugger, but I love trees. Yes. Like, and I do not want to see any tree be cut down for the sake of construction. Right. Right. So you can't go that way. I don't yeah. care how you want to argue it. And now the second argument is that you want us to keep on traveling around the home to get to the front on Kitchener Street. But now you're creating more of a carbon footprint yes. to do all this work. Correct. When you can reduce the carbon footprint by going to Coronation Drive, yeah, which is correct. a plus right now. Yeah. So now you're going to have less work to create, less carbon creating. Um, less exposure regarding the elements now that you're going into winter, right? Less inconvenience to go to the neighborhood, right? So all of a sudden you're, you're on this street that's a narrow street. You're going to have trucks along Coronation to do this work. And now you're basically upsetting the neighborhood, but now sure. you're doing it a lot faster. If you go through the front of the house, you're going to upset more people. You're going to be on Coronation. You're going to be on Kitchener. You're going to be on both streets and you're just going to create all kinds of congestion. So that's another argument there, right? Right. And then... You can't go between the two lots. It is too tight to excavate there and actually dangerous. Yes. It's very risky if you wanted to excavate that again, six, seven, possibly eight feet and working that way to get that route. So the only solution is that a person from water needs to look at this diagram, which I'm sure that they've seen this, right? I believe so. It's part yes. of it, right? They need to understand that why... Do we want to make a service go? What, did you calculate the length of that red line there that goes to the front of the house? How long is that? Over 100? Yeah, that'll be over 100 feet in total. And then versus 30 feet going to Coronation. Yeah, exactly. It's not that you're trying to be a penny-pinching budgeted builder here. You're no. just, you want to be a very conscious builder here. 
Yeah, it's important to be cost conscious, especially considering the the goal of the program, which is, hey, you know, we need more rental housing. We've got a housing shortage. If this thing doesn't get built, that's one less unit of housing potentially that somebody or a small family could live in. Yeah. Which is like, again, you keep on solving the city's problems, but the city is creating one big problem by bottlenecking this approval, um, which is unfortunate, right? So what was the last communication you had with the council person regarding, have they stated that they're going to come by and take a look at the property? Uh, So we haven't got there yet. We're currently just trying to work out scheduling a meeting. Uh, We're really eager to discuss this with the councillor and, you know, We'd like to show him the benefits of our proposal. And I think it's important in this case that you really see it in person so you understand, you know, the the pros of what we're suggesting. Uh, and also, again, I think that it's important that this city gets feedback on how this program is, is, is going and how it's working out and what the potential challenges are so that maybe in the future it can be revised or adjusted as needed. I've heard of other stories like you. The unfortunate thing, Stefan, is that you're not the only one where this bylaw came in. You can do these garden suites. Right. But then if you get certain individuals that have political power, mm-hmm. they can veto. And it's not really fair to do that because if you're creating a blanket of where everybody in the city of Toronto and Ontario, basically Ontario, is allowed to do this now, legally speaking, build a structure to the issued permits and build it properly with everybody that's supposed to be doing it. Right. You can't all of a sudden just red flag one job just because there's a, a, a gray area regarding services of water. Right. Right. You can't do that. So now you're, you're preventing you from doing the job. What did you budget for this project to build this dwelling in the back there? I'm just curious, just ballpark it. Like what? I'm just curious about it. Oh, I think we can do it for two fifty. Okay. So now if you were to, address this issue and do it the way the waterworks services is asking you to do it how much does that increase that budget that's a good question that's easily tens of thousands of dollars yeah i would would probably say realistically 20 what sets doll apart is their dedicated team of experts who are always ready to offer their technical support whether you have questions about installation troubleshooting or product specifications doll's knowledgeable professionals are there to assist you their expertise ensures that you have the necessary resources and guidance to successfully complete your projects. Check out Dahl at www.dahlvalve.com and on social at Dahlvalve. I'm, I'm going to say more. You know why? Why? If they're going to argue the point that we should go through the main house, now you're talking about trenching the front, pretend that little red line goes inside the main house, and now out the back, which is another 50 feet to the suite, and you're dealing with a 64-year-old home, you know, you don't know what you're going to find when you start trying to do things in there, and that just leads to more and more and more unnecessary work. And the key word there is unnecessary. It's true. you got a good point. It's not 20000 anymore because if you go that route, you're literally going to have to break up the basement of the dwelling. Exactly. Because now you're talking about excavating the front wall of the house to bring in a new water service, excavating the back wall to try and tie in. That could potentially create foundation issues, water intrusion issues. And then you actually have to disrupt the people living in the dwelling, which, you know, in this case, 
we're going to be living or we're hoping that we're going to be, you know, living in the dwelling while, while we build you're the working garden on that, suite. which makes, no, it makes all, all no, kinds of sense right. to do that. Can you imagine how funny it would be? Hey, you know, we're building a garden suite. We've got to go get lodging up the road at a motel. Are you, I didn't ask you this question. Um, are you the first one that's building a garden suite in that area? Uh, I think that we have to be one of the first. Okay. You know, I've seen uh, in the Star there was uh, an article about maybe what was the first garden suite, and there aren't very many of them. In that area? No, not in that area, not in the whole of uh, Toronto. No, there's lots of laneway homes that are being built. Right. Even the laneway homes are being built outside of the the main Toronto area. Right. Right, but yeah, you guys are probably one of the first that are building a garden suite because they're far and few, but I can only assume that in that particular area you might be the first one that's doing it and then... First guy through the door, right? Kind of idea. Right. Because I'm sure that someone else is going to be in another situation. It's going to be the same situation. They're going to be dealing with somebody that's not paying attention to all the facts that are associated with this project. That's right. And to your point, there's a very good uh, Garden Suite group on Facebook. Is there? Yeah. Okay. And I joined it because, you know, I'm always looking for more information and I want to share information with anybody on there. And the great thing on there that I see is you see a lot of homeowners who are asking questions. They want to know if they can build a garden suite. They want to know what it takes. Uh, so, like, from the perspective of somebody who's not necessarily in construction, they're going to ask questions like, well, how do, how do we get water in there? What do we need to do? You know, uh, things like that. Electricity. So it's important that some resources are provided, additional resources to answer those questions, to bring more people into this program and get more of these built. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, anybody on that Facebook group there, anybody in construction outside of yourself, there's there's probably a few people, right? Sure. But none of them have actually built one yet, right? Uh, you know, there's probably, I'm assuming there's a lot of guys on there, companies that have done laneway suites, which are similar idea, but they're, they're distinct. Laneway versus garden suites, they're two different uh, categories. Uh, and so I guess for garden suites, you have a lot of builders that would be experienced in something like that. But again, the issue is, again, from our point of view, because we're going to be building it, but remember, we're also new to the program, is that we need to align uh, the information that's provided to, to help people understand you know, how they're actually going to go about building this. So eventually on the show, I want to bring up what I, based on my conversation speaking with Ivan from SafeTree, yep. that I've already shared with you, right? How he gave me... Um, a proposal to submit to the city that hopefully will resolve this in your favor, right? Right. And it's not, this isn't about he said, she said bullshit, right? Right. This isn't about we're trying to prove the city wrong and and we want to be right and we don't want to beat our chest. No, this is about you wanting to build in a structure based on the parameters that the government has allowed us to build. Simple as that. And we want all city levels to start becoming more updated and realizing that there's opportunities here and they should be done this way. The other thing that I'm going to also do is that um, probably after the show, when we record, I want to reach out to uh, Joel from laneway homes. But from my understanding, I think he's only ever built laneway homes. He hasn't done a garden suite yet. Okay. And then we also had, uh, who was it again? It was a new form from Hamilton. I think it was new form that he was doing laneway homes in Hamilton. I don't think he's done a garden suite. So the rules are slightly different between laneway and garden suite because laneway, you're building on an existing pad that belongs to a garage, and then you're growing from there. Garden suite is an existing brand-new structure on the same lot. 
Yes. Right. That's why you're you've got already issued and approved to run your services to Coronation Drive because it's an it's a new existing it's a new structure that's being built. Right. Yeah, that's, that's why right. you did that. If it was a laneway, then I think that they would probably be insisting that you have to go to the front because you have to marry to the existing services that are, that are there. Yeah, and that's a good point. Uh, I know that with the laneway suites and with the laneway specifically, not not in all cases, but we have to remember that most of those laneways they're not going to have water or sewer. So yeah, you have no choice but to tie in through the existing dwelling to, to what's there. So it's, it's essentially, it's out of necessity. So I'm okay. Let's talk about other utilities, right? Have you already had conversations with gas and hydro? So we're not doing gas with this build. You can do electric. We want to do electric just because it reduces the complexity and cost. Okay. So to run a gas line there, we don't think it's necessary because this is going to be a tight, well-insulated structure. Uh, you know, all of the up to up to code, you know, we're going to do triple pane windows. Uh, you know, we've got the ICF foundation. And I think for something that size, you don't need the added complexity. No, I agree. I agree. And then what about um, hydro? How are you guys running hydro? Well, that's another discussion. Have you uh, spoken to them yet about it? Oh, we've had discussions. And? Well... Uh, I don't know if you can see it in that diagram, but there's a hydro pole uh, pretty much in front of the garden suite on the city <laughs> side. And, of course, uh, you can imagine that... But you're splitting the meter. Well, if you're, splitting, if you're splitting the meter the way that they want you to do it, you run into the trench problem again. So you still have to deal with the hydro now, Toronto Hydro regarding getting power to the unit. Yeah, that's another discussion, but we're hoping for a simple aerial connection. And have you spoken to them yet? Well, we've spoken to them. Okay, and their response was like what? Uh, their response is essentially you're supposed to do it one of two ways, either a gang meter. Yes. Uh, or you run it off, of, or you upgrade the service to the house and run it off of the panel of the main house. That makes no sense. Not in this case. It's, you know, it's not a landlocked property. And again, this this brings up the issue of unnecessary cost. And when you don't do it in the way that makes sense, you're shifting costs onto the private side yeah. at no detriment to the city. So first of all, I wouldn't tie it into the existing panel. I would do the split of the meter. Yeah. And then you run a new line to wherever the hydro pole is there. I see it there because the shadow's right there. That's how I see it. Um, so, okay, so now you, you're not even fighting water anymore, and now it's water and hydro you're fighting. Yeah, because you, you, need, you need electrical, you need yeah. water. I bet you any money gas would be easy to get in there. Uh, it would, well... Again, the issue, we, we did look into gas specifically. We had actually looked into running all of them at once, but the issue that we kept running into and hitting our head against the wall with was one one set of services per property. So Yeah, which so, is what you should be doing because if it has a separate address, then that's how it should be worked. You'd think that that would be the case, and I agree with you there, but even though it's a separate civic mailing address, it doesn't constitute a separate property. I love Toronto. So what we came up with after I spoke with Ivan was, um, and this is this actually has worked, and I want people to understand that it can work, right? So we, it's easy to fight the tree argument. 
Sure. Right? You're just going to say, listen, you start excavating here, you're going to damage a tree, you yeah. lose a tree, now it's a big problem, right? right? Toronto loves trees, which is great. So the second argument is that the, the waterworks or hydro now is probably going to want you to dig through the house now. The house is not being renovated, right? So That's there's right. no purpose to do that, right? So now all you got to do is you have to justify all the additional work, delays, costs yes. associated with doing the way that the city is recommending. Right. And then compare that to the way that it should be done based on the new bylaws of the garden suite where everything in the garden suite bylaw states that it should be going to Coronation Drive. Once you present both tables and you just outline all that stuff that they want you to do and then you present how you would do it, you end that statement by asking them, is this an unreasonable request? Right. Simple. Yeah. That one word unreasonable will close a lot of doors when it comes to the city. I want people to understand this, that you, mo you mentioned that word, the city now has to explain to you why it's unreasonable. Right. And the city will never want to explain to you why it's unreasonable. So we're hoping that that's a civil conversation because you're going to present, and we've discussed this stuff and back and forth, where here, I've given you some points here that this, I think this is what you should put into your document that you're going to submit to the next correspondence with the city. And you're going to go, this is how we're looking at things. This is how you're presenting things. This is how we would want to present things. And then we're going to ask them that one last question. Is this an unreasonable request? Right. Period. And see how they respond back. And based on the conversations that I've had with Ivan and a few other people, the city will come back in favor of you to move forward with this project, hopefully. I hope so, and I'd just like to highlight again the the goal of the program, the end goal, is that we get more housing built. 100%. So that we can help lower rental costs, which are, and that's another discussion, they're ridiculous. And so you got to ask, if you're not doing the construction in a, in a common sense way, it makes sense to explain, well, in this case, here are all the costs now that are going to be shifted onto the rental rate to be recovered from a tenant who shouldn't be paying those costs because they're unnecessary. That's exactly what's going to happen, Stefan. Like that's our budget. You were talking to 50, right? Sure. Let's say you go north of 300 now. Right. Now that's going to factor into what the proposed monthly rental fees are going to be for that dwelling. Exactly. Period. And it has to be that way because those are the numbers. Have you gotten frustrated by this whole experience? Um, have you gotten to the point where you're like, I'm done, I don't want to do this now, forget about the garden suite? No, 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 no. No, you still want to build this, I, right? I still want to do it. And I, like I view these challenges as an opportunity, and I think it's important that we're trying to help the city and we want to help them understand that there are going to be situations like this that call for different solutions. And so just as an aside... Think about the types of properties that are going to be uh, generally conducive to a structure like this. It's older properties yeah. that tend to be bigger. Yeah. And they're going to have a backyard with the space that you need. But by the same token, older properties have these smaller wartime bungalows on them that don't have the up-to-date services. Yep. So it's sort of like a paradox where we have this program again where we want to produce more housing but it's almost like with the intrusive work that's being proposed, you're building one house, and now you're going to go in the other house, take it apart, and rebuild that on the inside. Ideally, what would your plan be now that we're basically at the coming to the end of December of 2023, 
and most people will be listening to this in early January, you're going to wait till spring. If Hopefully you get the approval over the winter months and then you'll be forced to wait till spring, right? Absolutely. So we want to get started. We're looking forward to get started. Um, I guess knowing knowing what I know now, like hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, there there may be some things we'd approach differently. But again, because we were going into this uh, program with it being new and, and we weren't aware of everything, there was really no way to know exactly uh, what you know the nature of the challenges that we we'd face, whether it's from the servicing or you know some unnecessary delays or things like that. I mean, uh, think that's already happened and the really shitty thing Stephen, is that um it's going to get approved no matter what eventually it's going to get approved right and um you're going to start seeing a bunch more garden suites pop up after you yeah like you went through and got the biggest bruises out of all the bunch yeah and everyone's going to get approved because they're going to use yours as a case study now to get approved right yeah and i think that's a positive outcome of this which it is i'm not saying it's a negative oh absolutely but it's just a shame that you could have started building already by now. You would have already been framed. You would have been sealed up for winter, and then you could have spent the winter months already finishing up the interiors, and then you would have been looking at renting this place in the late spring, at the worst case, getting it ready. Sure, and to your point there, finishing the interior, let's think about the local economic benefits that a project like this provides to, to local tradespeople. Yeah. Like, like that's huge. It is. Looking for cutting-edge solutions for your spray foam needs? Look no further than Elasticam Specialty Chemicals. With a remarkable track record spanning over three decades, Elasticam stands as an industry leader supplying contractors across Canada with top-grade closed-cell, open-cell, and specialty foam products and accessories. Experience hassle-free spraying in both summer and winter with Insulthane Extreme, Canada's groundbreaking HFO closed-cell product. Time is precious, and we know it. Optimize your efficiency and avoid downtime by choosing the best products with the best technical and customer support. Elevate your spray foam game today with Insulthane Spray Foam Products by Elasticam. Give them a try today. Visit their website at www.elasticam.com or give them a call at 1-877-787-2436. So, I mean, I'm wishing you luck for it. I mean, because it's still up and out. Like, it's not a foolproof. It hasn't been guaranteed. But I think you've done all the right things by reaching out to your local council person. Yeah. And explaining to them, listen, I've looked at, you're, you're part of a Facebook group. You're part of questions, asking questions, trying to figure out the right information. But you're also looking at this as, this makes no sense where the city water and hydro is going to want you to go. Right. Versus what you, where you should go. Yeah, that's like, right. I think any builder were to look at this, anybody that's listening, they look at this scenario, they'd be like, it's a no-brainer. You go to Coronation. You don't go to Kitchener. Exactly. Simple. And and look, when I, when I reached out to you and I sent you the details of this project, it, as you said, it did not take you long to no. figure out this is the common sense solution. Yeah, I, I knew right away that's where I would go with it to do it. So I'd be up against all... That's why I'm on this side of the table and you're on that side of the table. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's just, I, I, it's great that the city is all about more housing and getting these opportunities and building these opportunities so then you could build these garden suites, you can build these laneways, you can start doing all this stuff so then we have more people with options to, to move into, rent, own, whatever it is, yeah. right? But you can't, you have to update the gray areas. 
Yeah. You can't just sit idle on the gray areas and expect someone else to magically come up with the ideas. Like you shouldn't be in all fairness having to do this much work to get this approval. You know, in in a perfect world, we wouldn't do that, but I think we're willing to do that just again because of all of the benefits of a project like this. And also because I want to mention my grandparents as the original owners of that property, you know, they were fighters. Yeah. They they took some bruises. They came out of uh, World War Two Yugoslavia, and you know, imagine the the life that people who come out of a war torn country have, and then they've got to go make a life in a new country. So, I view these as a set of challenges that we're going to overcome, uh, just because the outcome is going to be so good for the community, and in the end, for somebody, a family who's going to be living in that place. What's the community like there? Is it a mix? bunch of different people or it's it's a it's a good community yeah uh a lot of the neighbors there uh who, who my grandparents knew uh, i know them i still keep in touch with them you know i wave to them i talk to them and it's a great bunch of people in the community of west hill do you want to describe the actual garden suite the way the designers put it all together and i guess where square footage wise and just the layout and everything yeah, sure. So, I mean, given the square footage constraints, it's it's a 645 square foot footprint that you can do. So that's the total footprint. So the inside is a little bit smaller, but uh, we felt that getting a basement in here was important to increase mm-hmm. the space on the main floor because now with a basement, you can put, you know, your, your furnace, your water yep. heater, laundry down there. Yep. Storage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That makes sense. So it's going to be a nice open main floor. You've got a little kitchen, bathroom, bedroom, and, you know, TV room, family room area. Uh, and then we've got the upstairs loft, which is wide open. And that will just be a second bedroom? Uh, that's unlivable space. Okay. Not to be used as livable space as per, you know, Toronto building. But on the main floor, you still have one bedroom, one bath, three-piece bath. Yeah. Oh, and actually, that's good that you brought up the bathroom. Uh, early on in the design phase, our designer was really, really, really good about making this a space that makes sense. And uh, so what we decided to do with the bathroom is to actually have a curbless shower. So the, the framing is planned out for that. And what the curbless shower does is it increases the uh, opportunity to a potential renter. Like you may have an elderly person yep. who needs the to value rent of or disabled. Yeah, exactly. Right. Accessible. Yeah, exactly. Yes, 100%. So that's, I think, uh, an important part. And, of course, curbless showers are cool. You know, uh, there's no step over, and it's just a streamlined approach to doing it. It's all these little details that you can integrate into a new build that you will want to integrate because it increases the, I guess, overall value and appeal of the finished product. Does the city call them more garden suites? or, or Because I'm, I'm more familiar as calling them a granny suite, right? Right. Which is, I think, the primary reason behind the dwelling is because you get people of age that are getting older there and then you want them to be friendly, structurally wise, for that purpose, right? Right. But I don't find the city calling them granny suites as much as they call them garden suites. No, I think they're they're calling this a garden suite. Uh, I, I haven't really heard them referred to as as granny suites very much, but hey, something like this would be helpful to... to uh, elderly people who yeah. want to remain in the community, right? How long do you figure it'll take you to build? That I don't know. Okay. But 
because I've never done a new build before. This is something that's new to me. I'm used to the interior stuff. So in the same way that I would walk into a bathroom before I was in this business and go, you know, whoa, what's going on? How do you redo that? Eventually you, you learn and, and you figure it out. And so now I'll just be doing that again on an even larger scale. Uh, and so, you know, maybe it'll take 12 months from start to finish. I don't think I don't think it'll take that long. Okay, I think, eight, I think maybe you'd eight be months? surprised. I think right now, if you if you just fight the fight that you got to fight right now over the winter months, and then pull the trigger in the spring when it's relatively decent weather, uh, mind you, I mean, right here in Canada, they are talking about a mild winter. Yeah, whatever that means exactly. Uh, but still, it's never it's never fun to break ground in the winter. No, it's always fun to break ground just before the winter or right after the winter, right? But right, and it's been done. Like it's, construction doesn't stop in Canada, despite what a lot of Americans or outside people of North America think. We don't all live in igloos, and we don't start. You know, uh, we just don't deal with snow twenty four hours a day, three hundred sixty five a year, right? Right. So I think you have fun doing it. Trust me. I, I, I've been itching to do one myself. Yeah. But I don't want to deal with this BS that's going on right now with the city, right? But right. it's unfortunate that you're going through that, right? Yeah. And it's just like you've got everything all lined up to do the construction. It's just now this paperwork is a pain in the ass. That's all it is. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. And so the, the, that, that water service connection is what we're waiting for because uh, that's what we need to get going. Because, you know, as we discussed uh earlier you don't want to dig your foundation and be waiting and saying you know what's going on what am i going to you're going to be left there with a pit that's filling which up is going to be a worse situation right yeah big and, time. and i've done i mean okay I, I won't admit to doing this but the thing is and i know that you and i we talked about how just do it just build it and run it towards coronation street and then when services come to actually make the connection from the city side to your side you know they'll just arrive and from my understanding, most of the people that I've um, engaged with that are boots on the ground, they're very respectful as long as you're respectful to them. And most likely they would approve it and just get it done. But all it needs is one little hairline crack of someone from the city, from a department saying, what do you mean it's on Coronation Street? That wasn't approved. And then they could just stop everything. And now you're in a holding pattern when you're constructing, which is what you don't want to happen, right? Yeah, that's what you don't want. And I think that, what we want to encourage here is a tone of understanding and respect. You know, yes. we understand that the city is busy and that, you know, this is not a, a standard or usual request in, in terms of what's stipulated in the program. So they'll, they'll look at the, they'll look at the guidance and say, well, the connection has to be made through the house, but let's also think about it from the other perspective, which is this is new construction this meets Ontario building code requirements because it has to. And the connection that this new house will receive from Coronation Drive is the same connection, the same standard connection that any other new build would get. It's a three-quarter inch water service and your PVC or ABS sewer. You know what else I would do, but I don't recommend it. What's that? <laughs> I would... I would, this is, this might get you in trouble, but, um, I would still do it towards Coronation street. And when it comes time to make the connection and do the inspection, I'm changing the street names on the post. <laughs> so Kitchener becomes Coronation and Coronation becomes Kitchener at that corner. 
but that could get you into a whole other world of trouble, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm not encouraging anybody to do that. I'm just saying that it wouldn't be that hard to change the street name. It's not that hard. It's four screws. Uh, not that I've ever done that. I'm not just. I'm not encouraging anybody to commit a crime here. But it's just like that's how ridiculous this whole situation has gotten regarding the paperwork attached to this, right? Right. When I think that if the city worker that's attached to those departments paid attention to exactly what's going on, they would see it clear as day. And you know what? I, I think that we're, we're working towards that point. And you know what? I'm going to come out and say, from the perspective of the city, there are probably a lot of cases where they get weird, bizarre, yeah. or unusual requests. Like, I could see uh, a homeowner coming in and saying, I want a second water service to my basement because I'm going to rent it out or something. You know, it could just be bizarre requests that don't make any sense. And as a result, they've had to sort of put up uh, uh, safeguards against approving things that don't make any sense, which, which is good. But again, we're trying to educate and inform and show that, look, here's a solution that makes sense. The city's goal and our goal is exactly the same. We want to get a, a nice quality built small home up that will benefit a future family that they can rent. And it might be in a very small way, but it's important to us that we're going to help and address this housing crisis, which is a really a big problem. See, the really crappy thing is that it sucks that you're going through this mm-hmm. and you're not the first and won't be the last. Right. And the crappy thing is that it's good and bad that you're on Facebook groups and you're discussing, you're reaching out to people like me and, and getting more traction out of it sure the problem is that if you get homeowners that want to do this right and not like yourself because you're excited about doing the dwelling you want to build it you're looking for the opportunity you just want to get past this red tape right yeah but you're going to get a lot of homeowners going i'm not even going to bother so now you're eliminating the potential of another garden suite out there which i totally respect and, and understand what you're getting at when it comes to we're trying to address some of the housing issues here where there's opportunities here you guys designed this we, w- we want to do it but then if you get homeowners hearing about this friction that you're going through you're going to get a large portion of them saying i'm not dealing with this i don't want to deal with it forget it we'll just do a basement rental period done yeah but you're missing opportunity and then i i always found it strange and i'm not knocking the building people i always found it strange because they have a, a hard job to do and for the most part, they know a lot regarding building and stuff like that. But they do not do the amount of R&D that the construction industry does. I've never seen a building official do the equivalent R&D that well-respected building builders do, right? And I think that they should. I think it should be a prerequisite other than just writing a test and getting your certification and all of a sudden you're a building official, inspector, whatever it is. We do more, far more work to figure this out and that's what it is now this is a situation where the city's asking you to do all the heavy lifting yes just basically prove us wrong without telling us that we're wrong right that's That's a good way of putting it simple as that right and i'm like i get it so i think that's why the proposal that i made with you and i suggested all these ideas i think this is the best course of action because now you as a conscious builder going in there you're thinking I presented A, I presented B, I presented C. I think D is the best option. And do you feel this is unreasonable? I think we'll get you this open door and then you start building. Right. I'm hopeful that it will. And then, like I said earlier, the unfortunate thing is that you're the one that's going to be having all the bumps and bruises. And I guarantee you neighbors are going to start popping theirs up. And they're going to get it in half the time that you got it. 
And yeah. then they may even come over and start knocking on your door and going, hey, Stefan, how did, how did you handle this? How did you handle that? Sure. Right? So I wish you the best. I mean, I hope it works out. I hope that the paperwork is taken care of over the winter months, and I hope that you break ground in the spring. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Anything else you want to share before we get close to wrapping it up? Um, well, yeah, again, what I want to share and sort of reiterate is that we want to work with the city in a collaborative way to get this done. And, you know, we understand that there are things that we need to do to make it happen. And, you know, we're just saying, let's do what makes sense. Let's follow common sense because all of us agree that the housing crisis is a big problem. And we've got a shovel ready project here. That's going to create local jobs. That's going to help be a part of the solution. You know, I just had a thought, Stephen, that if the city and our lovely Premier Ford really cared about this bylaw and all the building officials really cared about this bylaw, why aren't we seeing media coverage of every single garden suite, laneway home, granny suite, whatever it is, being ticker parade bullshit, ticker parade, what is it, I don't know what it is, right, and having an official opening and having a scissors and going, here's another home. Here's another property. We're adding to the city. Right. Why aren't they highlighting that? Why aren't they looking at it and sharing the numbers about how many dwellings are being approved and then being built and the time that it's taking to get it built? Because I think the truth is that if they saw those numbers and they go, well, like you said, you submitted in June, you got it in October, you're fighting it in December, you're not going to get the final approval until March or right, April. Right. And then you're going to start construction. So realistically, it's probably going to take you all the way until October or even December of next year mm-hmm. to get the finished dwelling when you started the process in June. That doesn't seem like a positive, uplifting story detail attached to this bylaw being approved to the city. Well, no, it doesn't. And that's unfortunate because that's the real world possibly unintended effect of of some of the red tape that is wrapped around these projects you know despite our best intentions it may be the case that it took longer to get this planned approved and ready to go than it actually takes to build the thing i agree it's going to yeah i i totally i know it for a fact yeah right like look at it you're not breaking ground till march you started the process in june right you'll be done by october november yeah most likely. Right. So that's exactly what's going to happen. That shouldn't be the case. No, it shouldn't. How old is the home again? It was built in the 50s? That is a 1959 bungalow. It's, you know, double brick, mm-hmm. block With, foundation, yeah. ship lap uh, roof. Yep, old school. It's got good bones. Diagonal boards for the substructure. Yeah. Yep. True joists, probably. Does it have true two-inch joists? Uh, probably not. Oh, really? It's got dimensional? I think so. Oh, wait, yeah, probably dimensional, yeah. Wow. The home's in great shape. It's a good-sized lot. It meets all the criteria. It's a corner lot. I'd still change the uh, street signs. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, I think we covered everything, no? Yeah, we covered a lot. I mean, there's lots. I also want to just share with people that when you start doing your homework regarding... Um, coming up with the bylaws, it's not that hard to go on the city. That's actually the good thing is that, you know, you can get into the 
uh, regarding trees, you can get into private tree bylaw, which is chapter 813-8, letter A. And then there's a heritage tree bylaw, which is chapter 813-B. Then you've got street treat planting, invasive species. You got tree protection zones, tree uh, preservation. You got enforcement and penalties. You like, there's a lot of stuff, permit requirements, reporting violations. Um, then you got the uh, the zoning bylaws regarding protection of all these trees, right? right? Tree protection zone, which is TPZ. You've got the health of a tree, which has to be assessed. It's not a bad idea to make an arborist, arborist a, a good friend of yours because you're not trying to convince them to present something that's in favor of you. You're just convincing them to basically do what's exactly right. Yes. Which is the tree protection, right? Yeah. Which makes no sense. So you've got the root pruning, uh, mitigation, professional arborist assessment. These are all valuable tools for your arsenal to present to the city that the city will not have a comeback. Yes. That's why you want to bring this up. So you need to start all these things. And then you start talking about what the other option is that the city's going to offer, which is going to be go through the dwelling. Right. So you start talking about the preservation of the existing structure. You start talking about less disruption to the occupants. You start talking about costs, uh, environmental impacts, safety and stability, compliance with the zoning, urban aesthetics. You get traffic and accessibility. And then you got the community consideration. Absolutely. Which is huge. Right. So it's like if you're a builder that's conscious of all these points and you're presenting to the city. Sure. You're already doing tenfold the work of what you should have been doing but the city shouldn't have an argument back at you. They shouldn't. And and here's the thing, because you're in the industry, you know the carbon impact, especially of all of that work with all of that machinery. Yeah. So what I'd ask is if the city is so concerned with carbon emissions, let's not just focus on those two cycle engines. Let's focus on this massive make work project. That's just going to be belching emissions everywhere needlessly and creating a, a havoc and a disaster that just doesn't need to happen. Well, I go back to Toronto being a clueless city, right? You got a mayor that wants to change all the street signs for Dundas. That's right. At a cost of $12 million to the taxpayers, which is great that I'm not a Toronto taxpayer. Not anymore. Um, because that makes no sense in my eyes, right? No, it doesn't. The money would be better used to uh, help people get places to live. I wonder what the fine is to place a street sign just for temporary purposes i don't know i'll have to check out the bylaw <laughs> i don't want to find out the hard way Stefan. i don't man all right Stefan. i appreciate you we got to do the 12 questions uh thanks so much for coming out and, and bringing this up to my attention and talking about this and i honestly i hope that it works out for you um and then hopefully you get the green light and then invite me when you start building i want to pass by and take a look at it man oh absolutely i'd love to pass by and yeah. take a look at it right? thanks for having me and and you know what uh, a future podcast topic might be the garden suite is done what did we for learn? sure yeah love to have you back so we could talk about how you built it and what there's other problems that are going to come in your way, I guarantee you, man. Yeah. You know that it's going to happen. But if you're passionate about the structure that you want to build, you'll figure it out. Yeah. And there's always resources out there, whether it's this show or social media or Facebook groups or what have you. Yeah. There's always resources to reach out to people to talk, right? Yeah. That's the good thing about good people, good tradespeople. Right. They always want to help. Yes. They always want to help. So, Stefan, how do you pronounce your last name again? Budasavlovich. Budasavlovich. Yes. Yeah, right? Trem Reno, Stefan at tremreno.ca, tremreno.ca, and on IG it's tremendous.renovations. Here's my 12 questions. Here it is. What is your favorite construction word? Trowel. Oh, you're a towel guy. 
what's your least favorite tool? Reciprocating saw. Open blade like that? Yep. What construction sound do you love? I like the sound of troweling fresh thin-set mortar. Do you have a particular favorite mortar that mix that you like? Uh, I do like the Schluter All-Set. Okay. It, you don't it, find it too gummy? I think it mixes well and it's workable. Uh, I'm open to trying other ones too. I find it kind of gummy, but... Uh, what's your favorite beverage? I'll just take water. Water? What turns you on and off in construction? Uh, I like the opportunities that it presents and the ability to be creative to solve challenges. I guess I, I don't like the, the, the downside of that, which is you can just end up wasting a lot of time. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite curse word? Uh, maybe the F word. What's your favorite vehicle in the entire world? Uh, I'll take... Oh, okay. This is a good one. I'll take the the last uh, Lamborghini Aventador LP 780-4 Ultima. What color? Uh, whatever color they have. And the Tesla guys can brag that they're faster, but I'll have the better car. Who who wants to be in a rocket ship? Like I don't understand people that are like that's not what. Never mind. <laughs> I've seen the inside of a Tesla. I've never sat in it, and I don't um, care to sit in it. Never will. <laughs> I'd rather sit in an Aventador. So, yep. uh, what do you miss from your childhood? Well, Thomas, the tank engine. Oh man, that brings me back, eh? Yeah. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh. Waterworks cons- uh, consultant, city oh, official. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's actually a tough one. Um, I'd try being a police officer. Did you? Sure. Yeah. What profession would you not like to do? Um, I would not want to be a pilot. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? You did a good job with what you were given. Stefan, man, thanks so much for reaching out and being on the show. I appreciate it, man. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks. Well, we'll we'll keep. I mean, I'm sure you'll let me know what what the outcome is, how it all works out. You let me know if you need any other information. I'm still gonna reach out to uh, Joel from Laneway, right? And I'll speak to. I'm trying to remember his name. I think it's New Form. I forgot his name though. It's been so many people on the show. Yeah. Uh, but I'll reach out to the two people that have been on the show regarding. Uh, ADUs that they work on and I'm sure that they've been down this path and maybe they have some insight and I'll share that with you as well so great awesome man that's it we're done all right thanks Angelina right here